On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I tell you every single goal I have for this year. I talk about how all of my goals interconnect, and then I tell you how you can do the exact same thing to smash 2024. what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 178 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is a place where I share the lessons I wish I knew sooner. Think of this as me learning out loud, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, Hope you had a good new year. Hope you are well. It's been a while since we've had a catch up like this. I did what I do at the end of every year and just go a few weeks without podcasting because I'm busy doing other things, but we're back. It's the new year. And I'll be honest, I'm really, really optimistic about this year. I'm really excited about this year. Um, You wouldn't have believed it if you listened to the previous recording of this podcast I just did for four minutes because I'm still a little bit ill and I am very rusty having not sat down in front of a microphone for so many weeks. So I sounded like I couldn't be asked. So we're going to try and have some more energy here. But genuinely, this year is very exciting. And so that's kind of what I want to cover off today. I want to talk about what I got up to over Christmas and New Year and some of the planning and reviewing that I did and then talk to you a little bit about the goals that I have for this year because all being well, if I podcast more consistently as I aim to this year, there will be a lot of talk about all of these goals as time goes on this year, right? Because all of these different areas of life in which I have things I want to achieve this year will inevitably be the things that you and I sit down and talk about when I record these podcasts. And so I thought it'd be fun to begin the year to do the very first episode for this year talking through all of those goals in as much detail as I can. Now, there are certain things like a revenue target figure for the business that I'm not going to say on the podcast, but I'll tell you there's a revenue figure target, right? Show you as much as I can about what I'm aiming for this year. And also crucially, so you get something out of this as well, talk to you as I do about the process that I followed this year to review last year, plan this year, come up with some goals. Because if you haven't yet planned this year, I mean, number one, it's definitely not too late. But number two, I think that the process that I have been following for the past four or five years now is really useful and it's definitely applicable to you if you want to achieve things this year. So I may as well just roll straight into it because I could sit here for 20 minutes and tell you all of the things I didn't get up to over Christmas, all of the things I didn't get up to over the new year. It was a very short break this year because of the, I spoke about this in the past, the change in the clients that we have over the past couple of years means that our workload is still busy in December, but this year is also very busy in January. So there wasn't the kind of big two, three week extended break that we have between kind of the beginning of December and the end of the year that we have typically had in previous years. I was working right the way up until just before Christmas. Over Christmas and the new year, I was doing this planning and reviewing and setting things up for this year. And then the very beginning of this year, I was driving back to Wales and sitting down at my desk here in the office. So there's not a lot to tell you about over Christmas. So we can skip over that and let's jump straight to the 27th of December which is the day when I jumped in the car and I drove to Silverstone. There is a Hilton built into the Silverstone race circuit and 
in previous years, I have locked myself in a hotel room in Dublin for a couple of days to do my review of the previous year and planning the, the year ahead. I'll be really honest with you. I couldn't be bothered getting on a flight from like Luton Airport at 7am to go to Dublin to do this in the cold. Dublin is really cold at this time of year. So I broke tradition. I didn't go to Dublin to do it this year. I went to the other side of Northamptonshire. It took about 45 minutes to get there, jumped out of the car, got to this hotel. And then I was there for two days. I got a late checkout. So I was actually there for exactly 48 hours in the end. And I really used that time intensively and you don't need to do the same. I'm not suggesting that if you follow this process, you need to disappear to a hotel room for two days and spend two days on this doesn't take two days. I just wanted to go really granular, but my time was split into two sections. Number one was reviewing last year. It is definitely not too late for you to do that right now. And number two was planning this year, which again, is not too late for you to do that. So the first half was following the methodology from the book Grip, which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may have heard of. I've spoken about it a few times and I had a sit down conversation with Rick Pastor, the author of the book around two years ago. And essentially his way to review a year, I think is really clever. So you open up a Google doc or a Word document or a note on your phone and you scroll from the 1st of January last year down to the 31st of December last year through your camera roll. And every single time you see something which stands out, which is significant or which is interesting, you make a note of it, right? So maybe a video triggers a memory of a gig that you went to. Maybe a photo reminds you of a Uh, you know, a thing that happened at work. Maybe there's a screenshot of an email from your boss, which made you feel really good or made you feel really bad. Like there are no rules when it comes to what you make a note about. If something compels you to make that note because you've seen it in your camera roll and it triggers what is at least a semi-significant memory, you write it down. So you have a heading, which is January. You write down all the things that happened in January. You have a heading for February, write down February and so on. And then you do the same in your calendar. So if you use a calendar, if you're time boxing your time, which you should be, I have been doing it for years now. It has changed my life, but that is a conversation for another day. You scroll through from January through to December and you make a note of any meetings, any events, any holidays, any family gatherings, whatever is in your calendar. Each time you see something in a specific month that triggers a memory that makes you feel a certain way, you write that down in the document. And then you review each month and try and find like a theme for... Uh, I think Rick says each quarter. So like quarter one, I got up to this thing, this thing, this thing. And this was the key theme in my life. Quarter two, uh, work was really busy. So I didn't spend enough time with my family and I let my health slip. But then I was looking forward to my holiday in July. Quarter three, went on holiday, da, da, da. So kind of have a, a broad stroke summary of each quarter once you've got all of the granular details of what happened in each month. And then at the very end of it, you come up with a, what I'm going to call a coherent narrative, right? So once you have reviewed the entire year and reminded yourself of everything which made you feel anything, which you have done with your camera roll and your calendar, you then have a rough sense of kind of what last year was about, how last year made you feel, what progress you either did or didn't make last year. And hopefully when you arrive at that point, you should have some sort of narrative. And I did. And mine was something along the lines of last year wasn't the year I wanted it to be, but it was the year I needed it to be, um, where outputs were lacking, meaningful inputs I took their space. I'm trying to think of this verbatim off the top of my head. And then I said something about the fact that essentially I got a lot closer to many friends last year. I got closer to my family. I got closer to myself. And if this year 
i.e. 2024 is going to be a year of being back on the offensive than last year was the foundations that I needed to do that. So essentially, I have now looked through my camera roll. I've looked through my calendar. I have understood every single thing which happened last year, which triggers a memory. From all of those memories, I've zoomed out and then I've written a very short, a very simple, it doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be poetic, but a very simple summary of how I feel about the year. Now, this is important for two reasons. Number one, in a couple of years time, when you look back on the year, when you want to try and understand kind of the direction and the trajectory of your life, it's important to have these coherent narratives, right? If I ask you, what was 2017 like for you? And you have to answer that question now. I would guess it's very difficult for you to have a good, meaningful shape of that year in your life, right? You might remember like one or two things or a gig you went to or what was happening on the news that year. Maybe, I don't know, but you probably couldn't tell me how it links to the previous year and how it informed your goals for future years and how it changed you as a person and how it built your character. Whereas if you follow this process and then you make that coherent narrative piece useful enough for you to look back on and it to trigger a, a trickle of all of those memories and all of those meanings that you found in your camera or in your calendar, that's very useful. But then number two, once you have an understanding of how the previous year went, it allows you to plan this year more intentionally, right? Because, I mean, I don't need to tell you because I have been there so many years myself, including in some ways last year, but it's so easy to get lost in a year. And so you kind of ha have some goals in January and before you know it, it's March and those goals have slipped away. And then it's the end of the year and you're like, oh, I I'm not, I'm not going to do that this year. I'm going to go again and it'll be fine. But you never learn the lessons of the previous years, right? What was it that stopped you reaching your goals? What thing was it that distracted you or what was it that made you reach your goals? What was finally different last year that allowed you to unlock that potential that you've maybe felt you've had for years but couldn't? Whatever direction last year went for you, I think it's really important to learn the lessons for it to inform your, not only your goals for this year, but the systems and the checks and the measures that you put in place for yourself to actually reach those goals. It's one thing having good goals. It is an entirely different thing having the systems in place to facilitate you reaching those goals. So that's the first half. And I can't really kind of verbalize how that went beyond reading that summary to you because it's very hard to explain on a podcast like what I was looking at in my camera roll. But if you follow that process, it should kind of make intuitive sense. You just look at pictures and every time one triggers a memory, you write down, you know, 10 to 20 words about that memory. You then summarize the quarters. And then from those summaries of the quarters and the kind of ups and downs of the year and the major events, you then write a summary, which allows you to remember the year and informs how you plan the future year, which brings me on to the second half. So I did that on day one. Uh, I went to bed, I woke up the next day and then I got into planning this year. Now, I have broken down how I planned this year into several categories, right? Because each of us have very complex lives with lots of moving parts and we're trying to spin several plates all at once. And it's so easy to focus just on the obvious things that are under your nose, like, I don't know, your fitness or your finances, because they're the things that everybody seems to think about most in January, right? Everybody in January wants to earn more money this year and have a six pack. Who doesn't? Everyone does. But those goals will only serve you in the very short term because as life changes and as things get busy this year, you're suddenly not going to care about that six pack or you're suddenly going to realize that it's a little bit more complicated to say double your salary this year, right? So having goals in every area of life, not only make sure that 
if you're actually following this for an entire year, you're moving in a, a kind of steady forward direction rather than one piece of your life shooting off in one direction and another falling behind in another. But also it means that if, for example, there's a period where, I don't know, your job is a challenge or you lose your job or you don't like your job or you don't like your boss or any other negative thing about your job, if you only had goals relating to your job and your job falls away, well then does, does that mean the year has been a failure? Are you completely lost? Do you need to do some soul searching? Whereas if you have goals in lots of different areas of life, it means that when one begins to fall away or it gets difficult or you feel like you, you know, you're burned out or you don't want to make any sort of progress this week, this month, this quarter, whatever, there are other areas that you can work on so that by the time you get to the end of the year, so long as you don't have too many goals, you would have moved some areas of your life forward in some sort of way. And that is all the progress really is. I spoke about this recently in a video on the internet. People think the progress is this absolutist thing where you're pushing forward in every area of your life every day and everything needs to be amazing. And actually, whether you look at the people who are, I don't know, the happiest parents, you know, or the, the most, I don't know, established musicians or the most successful business people, uh, anybody in society who feels like they're moving forward. If you zoom out far enough, you realize that it is not this kind of linear thing that goes well every day and everything moves forward. So if you have lots of areas and you can kind of pick and choose which areas you want to move forward on which days, which weeks, which months, that's really helpful. That was a big preamble for me to tell you the categories. So the categories of goals that I set this year are business, content, my book, my finances, uh, my family, my health and fitness, and then just a list of personal goals, which are really random and in no way related to anything else. So let me try, and there's going to be lots of self-filtering here as I tell you these goals, but I want to try and run through a list of the goals without giving away too many specifics because there are some things I can't talk about. So let's start with the business. With the business, uh, I want us to reach and stay above a certain number. I'm not going to say monthly recurring revenue figure each month from retainer clients. So we currently bill a certain amount in fixed contracted recurring revenue to our clients each month. And there is another figure, a higher figure, which I would like us to have reached and stayed above by the end of this year. Now that bleeds off into other business goals and other things which aren't in this document, which are just kind of further considerations as to why that number is important and significant. But there is a revenue figure, a monthly recurring revenue figure from retainer clients that I want us to reach this year. On top of that, there is a new website that we've been working on for forever with updated positioning and it showcases our current client list and our current work and our current capabilities far, far, far better than our very outdated website right now. But there is that saying, right, that a builder's house is never finished. It seems that a marketing agency's marketing and website is never finished because there are always kind of more immediate things to deal with or higher revenue opportunities in the short term. But as we move into this year, and I feel in many ways like this year is going to be a more significant chapter of my life than recent years, I want the business to be pitching itself at the level that we deserve because our clients who work with us see an entirely different side to our business than the public right now, than prospective clients. And that's because we're fucking good at what we do, I believe. Like we're really good at what we do and we have processes nailed down because we've been doing this for the best part of a decade now and you learn a lot in that time. But I feel like our outward facing website and positioning just doesn't reflect that right now. Uh, I would like us to close X number of 
additional clients in X area. I'm not going to stipulate, you know, how many or what area, too much information, but essentially there is a, there is a compelling area of our business that we have some big projects in right now. And the advent of those projects means that we can assist other businesses with something similar in a way which is beneficial to everybody. Uh, the next goal is essentially, I won't read the wording, but essentially around uh, having more documented processes and automations in place for the business. That makes us more efficient. That makes our results more reliable and repeatable. That improves the the experience that our clients get from us. It is a all-round win for everybody. And so it's something that I want us to focus on more this year. It was actually a goal of mine last year, and then I just never really actioned it internally. So there we go. The next goal I'm going to tell you nothing about because it is something that you may hear about later in the year, but I don't want to even hint at it. The next goal is about us launching a uh, standalone offering. Uh, I can't be more specific without giving the game away. We, we're offering a set of services to a number of clients at the moment, and I would like us to productize that for want of a better word and make it accessible to more businesses. I think that would be beneficial. Uh, and then this is something we're actually doing already. I want us to just redesign and lay out the office and build a new breakout area with like sofas and seats and this and that, because this office was designed with a pre COVID world in mind in many ways and working environments and the, the footfall of clients and this and that has changed so much since we first decided roughly how this office should be laid out. So I think that a breakout area uh, will, will just be nicer for us to work in during our next phase of growth. So that's on the list. And actually that's getting actioned in some ways tomorrow. Like there's a few bits turning up. So they are the core business goals. And of course they kind of feed into each other, right? For example, the revenue one helps with some other bits and the positioning one helps with closing the clients in a certain area and the, the documents of the processes helps with all of the above because documented processes and systems are good for every area of the business. And you get the point, right? It's kind of like there are separate goals, but all of those goals at the end of this year, should we reach most of them play into this wider goal, which is just like business momentum. As Alex or Moses says, the aim of the game is to keep playing the game, right? We will be playing the game at a higher level. Should we reach those goals this year? So that is a kind of high level overview of my goals for the business. <laughs> now with the content, I can probably be more specific because it's just my thing, right? I don't need to worry about anybody else when I speak about this. So let me be as prescriptive as I can with these content goals by reading them. So first goal is I want to publish 52 episodes of this podcast this year, averaging, of course, one per week. Now, there may be situations in which there is a solo episode and a guest episode in some weeks to counter the fact that there may be some weeks, for example, around the end of the year, when I often disappear, where there's not an episode. But I want for the first time in, what, three or four years, there to be an episode of this every week this year. That is a goal that I'm trying to take really seriously for lots of reasons. And it's, yeah, I, I don't know how else to elaborate that one. Actually, I took a breath as if I was going to say something else, but there's nothing else to say. That's, that's goal number one. The second is to share 52 email updates with my mailing list. Again, averaging one per week. Now, if you're not on my mailing list, you are missing out. So what I want you to do, if you're interested in joining, is either click the link in the show notes of this episode or go to seanspooner.co.uk. Scroll ever so slightly, you will see a pink section. 
into that pink section, you need to add your name and your email address and click one button. And then every single Monday, you will receive from me a summary or a piece of content or a like a small piece of writing, which concludes the learning that I have done in the past week whilst writing the book. That is a terrible pitch, by the way. <laughs> Nothing about that made sense. Essentially, what the email newsletter is, is I'm writing the book, as you know, and I'll try and tell you more about that as we go on this year. And to write the book, I am reading lots of research and discovering lots of insight and finding these kind of rabbit holes and these hidden gems whilst trying to create compelling points around certain ideas in the book. And some of this research I'm reading, some of these insights, some of these ideas are really useful. And the book will not be out this year. Like I will be lucky if it's out in the first half of next year. So I want to share some of these insights, some of this research, including, by the way, some of the research that probably won't even make it into the book with you. Number one, to be honest, so then I have a bigger mailing list to help sell the book. Let's be honest here. But number two, because I think it's very useful. I am learning so, so, so much whilst writing this book. And it would be a shame to just gatekeep that right, to not share it with you. So then with that in mind, the next goal is to reach a certain number of subscribers, on the newsletter. The goal down from that is to reach a certain number of YouTube subscribers. And the goal down from that is to reach a certain number of Instagram followers. Now, you might be thinking, why on earth do you want a certain number of YouTube subscribers or Instagram followers or newsletter signups? That all seems very arbitrary. That seems detached from your kind of just do things intrinsically thing that you always say, Sean, why do you need these numbers? Now, when we speak about the book goals in a minute, this will all become very apparent and this will make sense. But before we go there, two more left when it comes to the content. The second to last one is recording and publishing 20 guest episodes of the podcast this year. I have recorded a handful already. I have a few recordings coming up in the very near term and I have been absolutely hammering my contacts and emailing new people to get really exciting, really useful, really insightful guests back on this podcast. I feel like we hit a golden age a few years ago and then I just kind of fumbled the bag because I got busy and I want to get back on with it this year for all of the reasons that I'll speak about in a second with the book. And then very finally, I want to have these kind of monthly content planning sessions where I sit down and treat myself strategically as if I am a client of Pata, right? It's not like with Pata clients, we just kind of throw shit and see what sticks. And some days we decide to do things and some days we don't. And then we just kind of quickly flippantly change our mind or throw a piece of content out there. Like that's not how it works when you want to build a business. And of course I know this because we help our clients build and grow their businesses, but I haven't really been treating my content or this sounds weird to say out loud, but myself as a business. But when it comes to the book and the goals I'm going to speak about in a minute, it's going to be really important that I do that. And also on top of that, I want to just learn more about what the analytics of my content is telling me. So let me give you an example. I heard a very small piece of insight about how you can change the scripting and the dynamic of YouTube shorts to make the algorithm favor them. And I thought nothing of it, but I implemented it. And the past like five videos I posted, the, the first four or five seconds have like a 130% uh, view rate, which means that people are getting through the entire video and looping back to the beginning and still watching for like four or five seconds at the beginning again, which makes the algorithm like it, which makes it get like four or, four or five times more views than usual, which gets more subscribers and more reach and all this good stuff. And I think there is a system I can have if I review my content each month where I 
take out the four or five best performing short form videos, for example, and I look at the scripts of them. And then I look at why they performed well. And I apply that on top of what else I've learned from a content perspective in that month. And then I re-record those best performing videos alongside all of the other new content that I do every month, slightly re-scripted or edited slightly differently or with a slightly different title. And then I see whether they perform better or worse. So literally taking my best performing piece of content and optimizing month after month after month after month. I think that'll be really interesting, but I can only do that if I, to use the wording of this goal, treat my content like a client. So that is the final content related goal this year. Now, the reason for all of those seemingly very specific content related goals, including certain follower numbers and so on, is because of the book. Now, when I began writing this book in, in October 2022, I thought it would just be this thing that I kind of throw together and self-publish and just hope for the best. But the more time I've put into this book, like I've spent an incredibly long period of time writing it already, and it's going to take an awful lot more time to get it even to a point where it's like a full draft, let alone publish ready. I think it's too good, dare I say, for me to just self-publish it and have a few hundred people buy a few copies and then try and vlog some to sell some talks, right? Like I think that that would be underselling how useful of a book this is going to be to lots and lots of people. Now, I mean, A, that probably makes me sound like a bell end saying that, but B, it's difficult for me to explain why I believe that to be the case without speaking about what the book is going to be, which I don't want to do yet. So forgive me, give me some kind of creative license to speak here. However, there are four big goals that I have for the book this year. The first is the most significant by far, which is I want to find and get representation from a literary agent. Now, let me give you a quick 60 second explainer of how the publishing world works, because I didn't know until two weeks ago that this is the process. If you want to traditionally publish a book, i.e. have a book mass produced by one of the big publishing companies that turns up in shops and Amazon and has lots of press coverage and has all of the oomph and support of a major publisher, you can't just talk to a major publisher, right? You can't just submit your book. You have to find an agent, a literary agent. And these agents are people who speak to the editors of the big publishers week in, week out, and they know each editor's preferences and interests and the gaps in their portfolio right now and what each publisher is looking for. But you don't simply get an agent. You have to essentially pitch an agent, right? And there is this entire process that I've been learning about where for a nonfiction book, you don't pitch an agent with a full manuscript like you do, say, a novel. You pitch an agent with a query letter, which is essentially a letter explaining what the book is, who you are, why you want to work specifically with that agent, and a few other things on a single page. So you have to be like really compelling in your writing. You pitch them with a proposal which among other things has like competing similar titles and the audience for the book and your platform as an author and so on. Uh, and then sample writing, which is like two or three really good chapters that you think represent the kind of overall writing quality of the book. So it's going to be like a two to three month work block from now until the end of probably March for me to even be in a position to begin pitching agents and then there's no guarantee that an agent will bite for months and months and months. And then speaking to an agent, trying to get representation from an agent just to begin that process all over again, when the agent then assists you in pitching to publishers who are going to want revisions and edits before I even get onto the second goal, which is finishing a complete draft manuscript of the book. That's going to be a lot of work. That's in some ways outside of the business going to be my biggest 
goal and my biggest challenge for this year. And the reason why lots of those content related goals play into it. And to be quite honest with you, the reason that you're probably going to see me be more consistent and more intentional and hopefully more successful with the content this year is because one of the big pieces of that book proposal that agents will be considering at the front of their mind, from what I understand, is your author platform. Now, platform, again, from what I understand, I'm very new to this, isn't just things like how many followers you have, right? It's also things like who do you know who can help push the book for you? Do you know anyone in the media? Do you know anyone with massive podcasts who can help share it? Like what can you do to market the book before the publisher markets the book? What else do you as an author bring to the table? But inevitably in this day and age, one of the biggest, if not the biggest consideration for platform is I guess the traditional sense of the word is how many followers you have, is how many subscribers you have, is how many people you have on your email newsletter. And so with the content up until and beyond the point where I begin attempting to speak to agents, I am on a warpath to grow these channels and to produce as much content as to, and to take as many shots as possible because, I mean, it's great to have everyone here who is here and it's great to have the you know the handful of people on Instagram and the the few hundred people on the email newsletter but it's just not enough it's it's going to act against me rather than for me when it comes to an agent making a decision as to whether they want to take me on and represent the book and it it won't always be the be all and end all but I would rather play this on easy mode than hard mode when I begin having those conversations and so that is it that is the reason why all of those content things are actual goals this year because they play very significantly into one of the most major goals I have this year, which is getting representation for the book to hopefully, probably next year, probably the tail end of next year, to be honest, have it published by a major publisher. So that's the goal. And look, if if no one bites, if no one wants it, I will self-publish it and we will all read it and get lots of value from it and it'll be good. But I have bigger ambitions for the book, having spent over a year working on it and realizing that it's actually going to be something altogether more valuable than what I anticipated when I began, I think that it deserves my effort and my input and my time to try and make it go that bit further. And so that's what I'm going to do. And then the final two is just, uh, if possible, deciding a launch date and a plan for the book sometime in 2025, even if that's provisional have something to work towards so that there is a hard cutoff because we all know that work expands the time to fill the time available for it. And very finally, spend a long weekend in August um, working on editing a draft manuscript of the book in isolation for that exact same reason. So that I know that by the end of August, I need to have, however messy it is, a full draft of the book ready to once again lock myself away for four days to uh, edit it, right? Finances, eh. I can't really cover any of these without being very non-specific, but yeah, there are some goals relating to finances and how much I want to be earning and other things I want to do and this and that, and I can't really go into them, but there are financial goals. You should always have goals with your finances. I think that if you take your eye off the ball of where you're going financially, it's probably very easy to fall into a hole, which is regrettable and difficult to get out of or just not be pushing yourself hard enough, not be getting your market value for what you're very good at, right? So I think it's always positive, no matter where you are in life, to have goals for your finances. Family, I want to plan and spend at least one organized day or evening out with my mum each month. I see my mum a lot more now than I did a few years ago, and I'm far more intentional with our time together. However, mainly because of the little dog, which 
barks 24 seven and needs attention. It's very difficult for us to get out together to do like a day long plan. So trying to plan those days to do more. Similarly, trying to visit my dad once per month when I'm back home so I can see him as often as I can. Plan a half day per month where I work on like things my mum needs. So I support her with like paying her bills and this and that. And often because things are so busy in the business, that becomes an afterthought. And I know that that probably causes her stress when I'm not helping her as quickly as she might like with the things that she needs help with. So just planning the time to be doing that, right? And then this one's very niche, but in the spring, uh, back at home where my mum lives, I'm going to completely overhaul the garden, sort things out, completely cut the grass, trim back the hedges, empty the shed, find some outdoor seating, just make it a nicer environment for my mum to enjoy in the spring and the summer. Health and fitness are very simple. This year, I want to track my calories for at least 250 days of the year. And hopefully within those 250 days, be hitting my calorie and macro targets. But that's neither here nor there. Firstly, I just want to build the habit of being able to track food again because I haven't done it consistently in five years now. Number two, I want to attend the gym at least 160 times this year. The reason I say this year rather than like four times a week or da 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 is because there are going to be seasons in life, right? There are going to be times where I'm traveling with the business or speaking somewhere or tired and can't be asked. And there are going to be other times where I have more time and more availability to go and do it. So if we average it out at 160 times this year, I will be happy. And then similarly track at least 100 runs in Strava this year. By the way, if you're not already, go and subscribe to my YouTube because I'm dropping an announcement video this Sunday as to what my running challenge is this year. And it's very silly. And my friends say it's a bad idea, but that makes it all the more exciting. So go and check that out on Sunday. And that relates in no small part to wanting to do those 100 training runs in Strava this year. And then finally, my personal goals. These are the kind of things that don't really fit into any of those categories, but they're those silly recurring thoughts that we all have of like, oh, I'd like to do that thing one day. So the first is join a speaking agency because I think I'm fairly good at giving talks. And I feel like when I do it, the people in the room get value, but to really land bigger talks and more meaningful talks and more frequent talks, you need an agent on your side because I don't have time to be reaching out to these places or pitching myself to random events that might never get back to me. So having an agency who can attract interest through the interest that their agency already has to hopefully get me more speaking opportunities would be a nice thing this year. This one is really interesting. So ask who, not how, and plan calls and meetings with anybody who already has the answers to questions or challenges I'm facing and have at least 12 of those calls this year is the wording of that goal. Who, not how. So this time last year, if you listen to my conversation with Paul Mort, he said something in passing, which I thought was really, really interesting which was when you're faced with a challenge or you want to do something that you haven't done yet, or you have a goal which is currently bigger than your capabilities or understandings, don't ask, how do I do it? Ask, who do I know who has already done it, right? And the reason this is so interesting, and I parked this in my mind for a whole year, I did not follow that advice when he said it to me. I didn't even consider it until the other day in this hotel, but there are lots of things I want to do this year, which I haven't done before, right? Like significantly grow the content channels, like make this podcast more mass appeal to people who join on episode 194 and don't have the last five years of context, like publish a book with a major publisher. I don't know how to do any of those things, not through experience because I've never done them, but who not how as an insight allows me to realize that I know people who have done all of those things. I know people who have grown 
incredibly big YouTube channels. I know people who are very proficient in the podcasting space. I know experts when it comes to content production in a podcasting medium. I know nonfiction authors who have publishing deals with major publishers, right? So I have literally been on a, another warpath organizing calls with these people. It's, it's in some way, it's calling in favors, right? In as much as the, the people I'm having these calls with, and I've got five or six planned this month already, they're not getting any benefit out of these calls. They are doing me massive favors and I will let them know this on the call. But essentially there are people I know who have knowledge, which would be useful to me, which I haven't asked for. And if I want to take these goals seriously this year, it would be doing so with like one arm tied behind my back. If I wasn't asking for this advice and asking for this insight from the people I know who are literal experts in their fields. And so that's what I'm going to be doing this year. Um, the next one, I can't tell you anything about because it is the exact wording of the running challenge. And I'm not going to tell you what the running challenge is until that announcement video on Sunday, but it's the running challenge. The next one, I want to walk up. Pen I fan, is that how you say it? Pen Y fan is what I call it, because Welsh. Um, it's not even a bit, it's like a hill more than a mountain, but it's near the office. And I've been saying I want to walk up, up it for years and I haven't. And the last one is silly, but I've been meaning to want to do it for years and I've never got around to it. I want to begin to learn to play the piano. I don't want to be like really good this year because that's obviously unrealistic, not least because I have no time anyway, but I'd like to begin the process, right? I'd like to kind of open that kind of worms and be like, oh, well, this is interesting. So that is my very final personal goal for this year. Um, I hope that sharing those without going too much into the process, by the way, there's a video on my YouTube channel called something like how I plan 2024 in 44 hours, which you can go over and watch to see like 20, 25 minutes of behind the scenes of how I actually did this. But I hope that sharing the breakdown of those goals and the life areas gives you some insight into, I guess, how I consider each singular goal, how I categorize those goals and how those goals play into each other. Like for example, how the content goals are standalone good goals anyway, because they're a, a good direction to be heading in, but how they bleed into the book, how the, I don't know, the business goals would be good goals anyway, but they bleed into the finance goals, how the, uh, I don't know, the health and fitness bleeds into everything and so on. So I think that you should have a list of goals categorized for this year, goals that actually mean something to you. And then beyond that, I think it is so beneficial for all of those goals to kind of move together. I can't think of the word. There's a word on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of it, but essentially it's like alchemy, right? Like all of these goals together are kind of, eh, they're, they're kind of something, they're kind of not. But when they come together, right? When all of these things happen by the end of the year, hopefully that's the goal at least, it creates an entirely different platform for life, right? And I hope the same for you. I hope that you can sit down at some point in the next few weeks when you get a couple of hours, maybe, I don't know, go to Costa and get a coffee and put your AirPods in and just think and type what comes to you and categorize those goals and refine the wording so it actually means something to you. I hope that those goals that you can come up with play into each other because I've made the mistake so many years of being like, my goals this year are to go to the gym four times a week and drink enough water. And they're valid, like they're good things to do, but they don't create this kind of forward moving narrative that you can check yourself against at any time in the year where, uh, you know, goal A benefits goal B and goal B 
benefits goal A and both of those goals benefit you and they benefit your life and they mean that by the end of this year your life will be somewhere altogether more impressive and more useful and more beneficial and more whatever positive word you can think of right that's the goal and they are my goals and so with all of that said I think I'll leave it here there's not really much else to tell you about over the past few weeks. I'm not really sure how I can tie this to a super interesting uh, idea or concept or something that's like clever. I think I'll just leave it here. They are the goals. That's how I arrived at them. And I hope that you can do the same. And don't forget, if you'd like to, to go to seanspooner.co.uk, scroll down to the pink bit and join my mailing list where from this Monday onwards, every single Monday this year, I'm going to be sharing the best research and insights that I am learning in real time as I write the book. That is everything. Thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a good week and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 179 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.